Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Sudan used to be the largest country in Africa and a hundred times the size of Israel until a decade ago when South Sudan split from it. Nevertheless, it still has an enormous territory and occupies a strategic location next to Egypt, the Nile River, and the maritime route from the Indian Ocean to the Red Sea. Reason enough for its neighbors and other powers to be concerned by the military coup against the civilian half of a power-sharing arrangement in Khartoum that was set up two years ago and charged with a transition process towards democratic rule. While Western powers condemned the coup and froze millions of dollars in aid, Eastern powers, alongside autocratic Arab leaders, merely voiced criticism of the coup initiators, General Bulhan and his officers, for ousting the civilian cabinet headed by Prime Minister Hamdouk. What can be expected for Sudan and what are the implications for the greater Middle East and Israel? Joining us from central Israel is Colonel retired Dr. Eran Lehrman, who is the co-host of TV7's Middle East Review, Powers in Play panelist, Vice President of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security and Editor-in-Chief of the Jerusalem Strategic Tribune. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Dr. Chaim Koren, who is the former Israeli ambassador to South Sudan and Egypt, respectively, and a lecturer at Reichman University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. And joining us also here in the studio is our TV7 editors, uh, editor-in-large and host of Watchmen Talk and Powers in Play, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding of the current play in Sudan and, of course, the various concerns projected from the region. Well, Jonathan, before we let uh, our two colleagues, the experts, dive into the specifics, let me make a general comment regarding such coups as um, we had on October 25th um, in Sudan. Um, For the last uh, 70 years or so, uh, 72 since 1949, there were many coups in the Middle East. And uh, when one looks um, at this phenomenon, there are four or five factors uh, to analyze. You have political parties, you have the military, you have the population, you have the trend among regional neighbors, and sometimes you have monarchs. You don't have a monarch here. There was only for a very brief time uh, King Farouk as the uh, king of Egypt and Sudan, only for a year and a half, and uh, after the... uh, uh, coup, the revolution of the free officers, uh, this uh, title um, was uh, cancelled. So um, the way we can uh, uh, foresee what is happening um, and is going to happen in Sudan will be decided by the interplay uh, of these uh, factors. Um, apparently, what the population does is now more important than ever. It used to be that um, governments uh, rose and fell um, according to the relative strength of the officers involved or the king or the political parties. But now, apparently, uh, the population has a say. It demonstrates, um, it bears casualties, and, of course, you have the outside forces, like the United States with the $700 million in aid, which it froze, 
but this will probably have only a minor impact on whatever the Sudanese do between themselves. Indeed. Dr. Lerman, I'd like to ask you, when we're talking about Sudan, a country that for quite uh, an extensive period of time was uh, a staging ground for terror-related activities, both from uh, jihadist organizations, Sunni jihadist organizations, including Al-Qaeda and others, as well as a smuggling route uh, or a staging uh, transit for countries like the Islamic Republic of Iran that uh, utilized uh, the, the lawlessness in that country in order to transfer weapons uh, to other areas, something that, of course, drew, among others, alleged Israeli strikes against warehouses that housed such uh, specific munitions. But uh, after a specific revolution that occurred, of course, a coup that occurred, if you will, and a certain uh, change of leadership. Suddenly we see Sudan being canceled from uh, the, the terror list of the United States, uh, or at least uh, uh, removed from the designation thereof, and the state of Israel, of course, uh, seeking to normalize relations, something that was agreed upon with uh, the Sudanese leadership at the time. However, it has yet to be ratified into play. What can you tell us about the strategic country that has so much uh, value for all actors in the region at this time? Well, first of all, uh, it's important to say, to remind ourselves that the switch away from this uh, working alliance with Iran, which turned Sudan, as you said, into a staging ground and a, a, a conduit, uh, for supply, Iranian supplies to terrorists uh, closer to our borders, particularly Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad in Gaza. All of this uh, was uh, reversed years ago before the, the, the revolution in, in, in Sudan. In fact, uh, Bashir, the regime of Omar al-Bashir came to that conclusion. And uh, I think uh, more or less around uh, almost 10 years ago, nine or eight years ago. And we were instrumental in making him understand the costs of his previous policy. I remember a conversation I had with, a, with a, an ambassador in Israel who previously served in Sudan, came to see me when I was at the uh, NSC, National Security Staff, actually. And, and he asked me about one of those events that you uh, refer to. Uh, what was that? And I said, look, I, of course, I'm in no position to confirm or deny anything. But if the Sudanese think that Israel actually went so far as to strike targets in Sudan, there must be a reason in their mind which would explain why we, sh we should do something like that. So whatever it is that they are doing that may, in their minds, uh, push us in that direction, they'd better desist. And they did. The irony, I mean, this was a bit of an ironic comment, but yes, they got the message. Um, it became even clearer, and, and Israel was uh, willing to basically inform the United States that uh, things have changed. But uh, Bashir was uh, tainted by the crimes uh, of his regime, particularly in Darfur and in South Sudan, and uh, essentially was an international pariah. So for Sudan to fully realize its new position in the world, there needed to be a change of government, which Bohan and Hamdok jointly uh, engineered um, and, uh, and made it possible. 
for Sudan basically not uh, not only to be uh, removed from the terror list, but once again eligible for American support. And all of this tied in with the uh, decision to join the Abraham Accords. Of course, Sudan's first and foremost strategic consideration, as, as Chaim would surely reaffirm, is uh, its relationship with its powerful neighbor to the north, with which it has some minor territorial issues, but uh, overall, this is the most important relationship. Now, between the two, Abdel Fattah, uh, Burhan and Sisi, um, there, needs, there needs to be some uh, commonality of purpose in the face of Egypt's most important crisis uh, of, of the coming of uh, the decade, namely uh, the uh, Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. I would look for, uh, let's say, causes and, and complications related to that question at the root of the current Sudanese crisis. The Israeli question is, is minor, and uh, with all due respect to our centrality in the universe, this is not what was driving the internal Sudanese dispute. Indeed. The question of whether or not to join with the Egyptians uh, on a potentially dangerous um, alliance, uh, uh, rumbling about the possibility of military action, and so on and so forth, as the negotiations on the Renaissance Dam, uh, dam have uh, uh, stalled, uh, I think that's much more central to what we are seeing. Indeed, of course, uh, speaking about the Renaissance Dam, uh, uh, you referred to the, the crisis vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, Ethiopia and, and the, the wider region, the implications thereof. But I'd like to ask uh, Ambassador Koren, as uh, the top Israeli envoy who... Uh, uh, served in in both uh, the northern and the southern neighbor uh, neighbors of uh, Sudan or the Republic of Sudan specifically uh, Khartoum. How do you view currently the the perspectives of both neighbors uh, and uh, all the area uh, that we're conversing about with regard to the the viable implications and concerns that may derive of such a situation? We remind you that ever since the independence of Sudan in 1956, they had five successful cup d'etat. Uh, some dozen others failed, so we don't even consider them. Sudanese society is very complicated one because we have three main centers within Sudan, not only in terms of politics, but in terms of social structure, which means we have Arab Muslim on the north, namely Khartoum, Kordofan, and so on. We have, we used to be to have uh, Christians, blacks on the south, which is now is South Sudan from 2011, and we have blacks who converted to Islam in the west, namely Darfur, basically from the uh, 17th century in the process of 300 years. So we're talking about constant uh, civil problems uh, even before Sudan got it independent. Now, if you add into that two periods of time of conquest of Sudan, the first is uh, Iran referred to that, the Turco-Egyptian one, the Ottoman one uh, from 1820, 
and the second one, the British one or the Anglo-Egyptian one, uh, that meant that Sudan always were under pressures uh, domestically and from inside. Egypt always considered Sudan as part of Egypt due to the fact that the Nile is strategically extremely important to both sides. And even the British accepted that the Nile belonged basically to Egypt and Sudan. That was went on till the 50s, 59. So uh, we know that Sudan strategically is extremely important. Now, add to that that the circle of the relationship with Israel is very interesting. In the beginning, under the British rule, before the independence of Sudan, there were pretty good relationship, namely Sudanese exported to us uh, all kind of cattle, cotton, and so on. Then the Pan-Arabism came in under, led by Abdel Nasser of Egypt. In the end, Sudanese leadership, namely Umar Party, under Sadiq al-Mahdi, decided to join the Arab uh, side. The, the peak of it was in 67, of, of course, the Arab summit of the three nodes of Khartoum in 67. And later on, it became more and more Islamic. But at the beginning, under Numeri, later on, through to Rabi, it shifted through uh, 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 another cup under Suwara Dahab till it came to Omar al-Bashir in 89. And then Sudan had become strictly a Muslim uh, radical country that uh, became more and more extreme. Uh, uh, cooperating both with Al-Qaeda in the 90s, including giving shelter to uh, bin Laden and his people in Sudan on one hand, and kept on going with Iran on the other, that came into being mostly in, in, in 2007 and on, and Iran referred to the strikes on Sudanese uh, targets because they supplied uh, uh, missiles both to Gaza and to Hezbollah, in Lebanon. Now, when you're checking that, you understand that such a country that had attempt to assassinate President Mubarak in Addis Ababa in 1995 and made together with Al-Qaeda uh, 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 activities against American embassies in Kenya and Tanzania in 1988, it's very clear to understand why the sanctions on terrorism uh, were put down on Sudan and why Bashir tried so hardly to go out of it most of the beginning of the time by cheating and later on, basically in 2014, he came to, Bashir himself came to the conclusion that he had to leave this path and shift, uh, stop the relationship in Iran, which he did in 2016, joining the Arab coalition fighting in Yemen led by Saudi Arabia against the Houthis and becoming part of the Arab coalition. At that point, Bashir decided to go out of this line of the bad guy and also starting to consider seriously to join to a recognition or at least open channels to Israel. And even him and others stated about that including Ibrahim Randur, who was a foreign ministry at the time. I remember and I wrote about it in 2017, that he declared very clearly that nothing goes out from Iran and it's better to go with Israel. It was very clear and it can be quoted. And 
obviously we we know the the storyline or the timeline since, but Mr. Owen, when, when we're looking at this situation, we just uh, uh, heard reports of uh, an Israeli delegation headed by Israel's intelligence apparatus uh, that traveled to uh, Sudan, to Khartoum, for meetings with different officials. What can you tell us about that? Well, this is only natural because um, uh, wherever there is a lack of formal diplomatic uh, recognition and relations, you have Mossad and uh, perhaps other non-official channels um, uh, in which to uh, engage the rulers. And even uh, Jafar Numair, he was mentioned here, had uh, his contacts with Ariel Sharon, perhaps uh, through the mediation of the uh, Saudi billionaire Khashoggi. Um, there were always uh, uh, opportunities, especially when you had corrupt autocrats. Uh, you had opportunities to engage uh, even with declared uh, enemies. And by the way, um, you mentioned um, terror uh, of uh, recent vintage, but in 1973, when uh, Black September, which was really Fatah, attacked both American and Saudi diplomats and, and killed them, um, ironically enough, this gave uh, President Nixon the incentive to start secret talks with Yasser Arafat in order to safeguard American diplomats and others. And um, these security talks later blossomed uh, into diplomacy. So you always know how such an event unfolds, but the consequences um, are uh, unintended and sometimes unforeseen. You spoke, of course, about Khashoggi, the journalist. Uh... Not the journalist, the, the um, uh, Saudi billionaire with his yacht Indeed. In, in the early uh, 1980s. Indeed. Well, uh, I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Lerman also about uh, the same uh, delegation of Israel that went to basically scout and understand the, the play currently within Khartoum, what is happening there and understanding uh, the current state of affairs. Well, when you observe this, uh, Dr. Lerman, how do we look at it from an observer point of view? Uh, is there something for Israel still within Khartoum, or uh, do you think that their direction is now uh, less uh, convenient, if you may, uh, with regard to potentially warming the normalization that was part of this Abraham Accords that brought about so much good uh, on Israel's uh, foreign relations with Arab and Muslim majority states? Well, there are, there are three ways of looking at it. Uh, one, of course, has to do with what's happening in Khartoum itself. And uh, to the best of my uh, understanding, Burhan was uh, among the uh, more, um, let's say, committed supporters of this breakthrough with Israel. And therefore, uh, the fact that he is now the strong man uh, and he has uh, pushed his uh, po political rivals aside, um, does not necessarily bode ill for the future of uh, the Sudanese engagement. Randor, by the way, that uh, Chaim mentioned, uh, I, I gather was actually released from custody and, and came and went home uh, the other day. Uh, but we shall have to wait and see uh, whether he become he could become some part of a 
of a negotiated outcome for Buhan, uh, given that uh, he is under immense uh, international pressure. The second perspective, which is ultimately the most relevant for us, if I may say so, is that of Egypt. We need to be closely coordinated with the Egyptians on matters of importance to them. Um, uh, there's nothing uh, more other than the Iranian challenge and in the long run, of course, the Palestinian question. But at the same level of importance, the Israeli-Egyptian relationship has always been central and will continue to be central to our to the stability of the region and to Israel's own uh, vital national interests. So we need to talk to the Egyptians. So the Having road to Jerusalem this, is through Cairo. There, there, there's a Washington, and, and therefore we need to have our own assessment uh, in the in a package of uh, what uh, the CIA used to call plausible deniability. So you don't send diplomats. Or you don't send uh, you send people whose business is uh, not to talk about what they're doing. Uh, so you send a package of uh, of people under plausible deniability to to get the direct impression of what's going on. Having said all this, we also need to be quite careful about how all this gets to be perceived in Washington. We do not uh, want to be seen by the Biden administration as the, um, you know, the instinctive friends of dictators in the region. Uh, so we need to measure our steps uh, uh, carefully. Um, this, this, all of this happens in the same week in which uh, Sisi decided, finally, after um, 55 years almost, to let go of the um, of the emergency laws of Egypt, uh, impose or, or, or uh, decrees in, in Egypt, which were uh, instituted after the Six Day War or during and after the Six-Day War. So there, two generations of Egyptians have grown under this shadow, and now Sisi indicates that he is attentive to the message from Washington that illiberal measures uh, are perceived there as a problem. So uh, in the same spirit, we need to be a bit careful about what is the message we are sending about events in, uh, in Khartoum. And the Dr. Koren? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of misunderstanding, confusion, and sometimes even ignorance about what's going on in Sudan. It's presented by the media that there are two factions, military and civilian, they fighting each other, and finally the good the good ones, the civilian people, Hamdouk people, Miriam al-Mahdi's people, and others, who are now demonstrating for the democracy and the right. That's not really the situation. We're talking about a situation that Hamdouk and, uh, uh, was, in the beginning, he was not enthusiastic about the uh, agreement with Israel, for example, but he was convinced by both Borhan and Hemeti, or Daglo, uh, to, to join them basically because of economical incentives. Now, what's happened is that when we're talking about civilians, there's kind of, you know, uh, parties that we knew from the 60s, like the Ba'ath Party, 
that uh, Saddam Hussein supported or the Communist Party that uh, Hamdouk used to belong to and now his wife is a very important figure in that leading figure in that uh, block. But in, but in fact, they don't agree within the civilian bloc. They don't agree with each other almost about anything. Now, that was a good excuse to show how the military is pushing them out and creating troubles. Now, the, the special envoy, uh, Jeffrey, uh, uh, the American special envoy, Feldman, uh, Feldman. Feldman, Feldman, just came out now with a declaration that he is convinced that that was not a coup d'etat, and he's sure that they're coming back to cooperate. I mean, the civilian and the uh, military faction, which I think he is right because that's the only way. And even that Biden declares that he will put uh, kind of uh, sanction of seven hundred million dollars on the Sudanese. I don't see any other way to go out from the crisis, but to re-cooperate as, as the Borhan uh, presented it, to come with a, with a temporary government to 2023 and then to come to elections and creating a parliament and to go to a real uh, a, a, a process of democratization because uh, Sudan is too important to the world strategically and we've touched on those points, uh, mm -hmm. not only the access to the Red Sea and the corridor to Eastern Africa between Somalia, South Sudan, Uganda, Kenya and Tanzania and so on, which is a very important corridor against terrorism in Africa, but also that should be supplying the stability that most of the countries, including China, Russia, the US, uh, uh, India, Turkey, uh, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and everybody is seeking for. So that's mm -hmm. a common interest of everybody. And that's why uh, that this government, temporary government, was based from the per first place in order to come to a situation that there will stability and the uh, civilian part of it will supply later on the, uh, the process to release a little bit or ease a little bit the very difficult situation of economy, human rights, uh, 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 religious enforcement and so on. Uh, but that nothing to say that the real fight between the civilians and the military wing, and I'm, I assume that they will come to kind of reconciliation. I heard some hints from Hamdouk about it, and we have to wait and see. Well, we do indeed have to wait and see and uh, deliberate this topic uh, further in the future since Sudan is of such significant strategic importance. But unfortunately, we've uh, run out of time for this panel. So I'd like to thank Dr. Lerman, Ambassador Koren, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel and to discuss this important topic. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.